Hi, everyone. I'm Pastor Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us here for our online worship gathering. It's really good to have you with us. I hope you've been having a great summer despite the unusual circumstances and you've been able to enjoy some time with friends and family. Uh, We're going to be continuing our teaching series that we've been in all summer long, Can't Go Back. And Can't Go Back is really about one thing. It's about leaving behind our own way of doing life and taking on the life of Jesus and doing things his way. Um, There's all kinds of moments that we have on this journey of following Jesus. And there are moments that we really say, I'm done with this old way, I'm going to follow in the new way. And uh, we in the, in the plant church call those kairos moments. They're moments, defining moments, where we recognize what Jesus is doing in us and we say yes to what he's at work in us and we say no finally to the old way and we say I can never go back to that old way anymore. And, and the biblical word that we've been talking about with this is called sanctification. And in sanctification, we have what we call these crisis moments, these big moments where we say, okay, I am now done. And that's what we've been talking about throughout the course of this series. And we've been looking at different people from uh, the story in the Bible and seeing what we can learn from their can't-go-back moments. And today, I want to share with you another one of those can't-go-back moments from a prophet by the name of Elijah. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, whatever you use to read scripture, a notepad, you wanna take some notes for this one, we're gonna open up to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read verses one through 16 together. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. 
It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. And then the Lord said, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Let's pray together before we continue. Father, throughout this series, you have provided us with snapshots of your servants, of women and men who, who follow after you and made tough decisions to not go back. And Lord, you've been speaking to our church through this entire series and through this entire season that we've been in. And so, Spirit of God, I ask that uh, today, as our friends and our family are, are watching this, that uh, whatever they hear in this, they would hear you calling them deeper, calling them into more of you and that they would have a moment where they choose to not go back. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have all had moments in our lives when something significant has happened and it has just changed the way we see the world uh, or, or look at life. Maybe it was a graduation from school or the day you got married or maybe that, that big career move when you're finally doing uh, the job of your dreams or, or maybe it's when you had uh, your first child. For me, I remember uh, when my daughter Harper was born and that moment was a can't-go-back kind of moment for me in some ways. Uh, Jillian obviously had been pregnant for nine months, as you know, how, that's how babies uh, come into this world, if there's pregnancy first. But there was this critical moment where um, Harper was now in the world and she'd been born, and it really hit me that there was no going back. And I had to make a decision in that moment. Was I going to parent well? Was I going to give everything I had to her uh, as a parent and give everything uh, I had to Jillian to be a su supportive spouse? And, or was I going to revert back to my old way of doing life? And, and so we jumped into the parenthood thing. And as many of you who are parents will know, uh, whether recently or from years past, those first few weeks of parenthood are some of the most blissful and beautiful and happy and exhausting and deliriously tired you have ever been. And I gotta be honest, there were times in that week where 
uh, I was just so tired that I wanted to do nothing but sleep, but duty called. Honestly, there were moments where it felt like there were, uh, there were voices in my head. One was saying, keep going, Andrew. Keep being a good dad. Keep being a good husband. And there were other moments where I was hearing voices that were like, dude, just go to sleep. You, you can, you can uh, not go in for this round. Like, let Jillian handle it. And my selfishness obviously wanted to kick in. And, and I had to make choices in those hard moments to not go back. And I had to choose to listen to the voice that was telling me to keep going, to keep giving of myself to, to parent well. And thankfully, here we are uh, 19 months later. And actually, this past week, crazy enough, Harper just started putting herself to sleep a few times this week. She was like wide awake when we left the room, was totally quiet and just fell asleep. And she sleeps through the night, guys. I, I'm so happy. I'm getting regular sleep now. It's incredible. But I, I, I just like I had that moment where uh, I had to choose when she was very little uh, whether I was going to listen to the voice that said, keep going, or whether I was going to listen to the voice that, that told me to just take it easy and sleep for a while. Just like I had that moment, we experience those kinds of moments every day in our discipleship to Jesus. And they are, they are moments where we are faced with a challenge to not go back, whether it's our own self and our own selfishness or uh, the enemy or it's uh, just the culture of the world around us, there are constantly messages and voices trying to lie to us and discourage us from moving forward and following Jesus and calling us back into our old life, even though we've given our yes to Jesus. And maybe we've been like Elijah, where just before the story we read, he was on this mountaintop experience. It was probably the most powerful moment in his ministry career. He had just defeated 450 prophets of Baal in a dance-off. Just kidding. I wanted to see if you were listening. No, he defeated them by each god being asked to provide their own fire for a sacrifice. And Baal, of course, couldn't answer and come through, but God was able to answer. And it was a massive victory for people who were loyal to God. But soon after this massive victory, Elijah found himself experiencing doubt and walking and away from his yes to God and starting to go back. And often I think we experience that same feeling. We start asking questions like, did God really just do that? Did he say that to me? Did everything actually just change in this moment? Was that my imagination? Maybe it was something I ate last night. I don't know. But in those moments, it can feel like the very real things God has done where we've said, I'm done, I'm not going back. It can feel like they were all uh, a myth or a dream and the lies start to swirl and we begin to doubt and we begin to question instead of continuing to move forward into the life Jesus is inviting us to live. And when we listen to those lies about who God is and who we are, it begins to breed death in us. It discourages us. It causes us to backtrack and leave our pursuit of God like Elijah did. And unfortunately, many of us, many people have lost their way because they've begun to listen to lies instead of God's life-giving truth. 
The good news that I have for us today, however, for you, for me, and the good news that Elijah will discover as well, is that even in those moments of despair, when we're so confused and we're bombarded by voices, when we want to go back on our sanctification, when we want to go back to our old way of doing things, Jesus has provided faithfully everything we need to keep going. In fact, when we are faced with a message of death, God is so faithful to bring us a message of hope and of life. Elijah was experiencing the absolute biggest crisis of his life right on the heels of his biggest success. How did he get here? As I mentioned earlier, he had challenged 450 prophets of Baal and God had told Elijah three years before he challenged them. He told them that it wouldn't rain for three years because the people had started to follow Baal instead of following the true God, Yahweh. Now that can seem kind of like a petty, jealous boyfriend move. Well, if you're gonna go with them, I'm just gonna take something away from you. But let's, let's understand the context of the, the original audience. You see, to devote yourself to another God didn't just mean that you bowed down to them a little bit. Instead, it meant that you trusted this God for your provision, for your very life. They were your teachers. They were gods who had responsibility to to grow your economy and your crops. And that's actually the kind of God that Baal was supposed to be. The culture all around Israel, all the other nations, they said that Baal was the one who made rain and crops flourish, thus providing harvest, which would keep the economy going. And so the people of Israel began worshiping Baal because they saw the fruitfulness and they saw the success of the other peoples around them. And they said, well, I guess if we want to succeed like them, we've got to live and do and practice and follow the gods that they practice. And so the true God told Elijah, his prophet, that he would be holding back the rain to show Israel who was really in charge of their economic fortunes. And so we fast forward now to the present moment. And here's Elijah. He's about to prove against the prophets of Baal once and for all who is more powerful. And Yahweh, the true God, proves himself to be victorious and answers Elijah's prayer to provide fire for his sacrifice. If there were news networks in this day, if there was social media, Twitter would be blowing up. This would be a live streamed event. The All the who's who of culture and society were there. The king was present. The economic leaders, the cultural leaders, the political leaders, they were all there. The influencers were on hand to witness this moment. And Elijah and God were at center stage. It was a world that would, a moment that would have made the world stand still. Super epic. And you can imagine the high that Elijah was on. In fact, you probably think that someone who just had that level of faith and could prove God was the more powerful God in that moment in front of all of these people, you'd probably think that they'd have the kind of faith that they'd never lose and they would never doubt another day in their life. Yet the very next verses we read that Elijah has to run for his life because he fears the queen. Immediately after Elijah's biggest victory, he runs for his life because he receives a life-threatening message. 
from Queen Jezebel. Now, the, the messenger from Jezebel speaks death to Elijah, quite literally. She passes on through a messenger, a message of death to him. And it's a voice that lies to Elijah. It makes human power and the power of the enemy seem so much greater than God. And these kinds of messages come at us all the time, don't they? From, from the world, from the enemy, even from our own sinful nature. They lie to us and say things like, you're all on your own. They accuse us of sins that we've repented of and gotten forgiveness from. They accuse us and act like we're still in the middle of it. These messengers or lies produce in us senses of anxiety and depression and and hopelessness and misery and exhaustion and doubt. And they make us believe that we fundamentally lack what we need. And this is what happened to Elijah when he listened to the messenger from Jezebel. Now, I need to point this out to you because this is very important. The queen's threat isn't what makes Elijah run. Think about it. He'd been threatened before and he had just faced off with 450 prophets of Baal. Everyone there knew that Elijah had been the one to pray for rain to stop for three years. Elijah was directly responsible for everyone's economic depression that they were experiencing. They all wanted Elijah dead, but for some reason that didn't bother Elijah. But this time he took the message of death and he internalized it. And so he began not simply hearing, I'm going to kill you, but rather, God can't save you. And that is where the lie began to take shape in his life and began to influence his belief about who God was and who he was. How often have you received bad news? How often have you uh, experienced a terrible Tragedy, and, and not only has it just been bad news that we're sad about and we grieve about, but how often has that news come to you like a messenger from Queen Jezebel and bred death in your life? How often have those messages not just simply been bad news, but they have begun to be lies about who God is and about who you are? We can in an instant, find ourselves like Elijah, running from our calling, feeling alone, exhausted, depressed, ashamed, wishing we didn't even exist. This is what lies do to us. They produce death in us like they did in the life of Elijah. They keep us from moving forward in the way of Jesus and they challenge us and draw us back to our old life that we said we would never go back to. But as I said, there is good news. Just as Elijah received good news, even in those moments when you received a message of death, when you have been lied to about who God is and and about who you are, God is still faithful to send his message to you. And in verse five, most of our Bibles say an angel came to Elijah. But what we don't realize is that the word is the same for angel as it is for messenger that Jezebel sends. It's the Hebrew word malak. And it simply means messenger. It could be a messenger from anyone. In this case, in our story, there are a messenger 
uh, from Jezebel and there is a messenger from, uh, from God. And this becomes key for us as we are learning to go forward in following Jesus because there are messages coming at us all the time, like we've said. And some of these messages are producing life, but some of these messages are from God and they're producing life. And God sent a message to speak truth and life to Elijah, just like he wants to speak to you and to me and to everyone that we meet. The message from God is truth to us. And if we choose to internalize his message, we will see clearly again and we will be filled with hope of who God is and who we are. And when we are listening to the truth about God, it produces in us this hope and confidence and strength and rest. And we have peace and provision. We're so conditioned to believe the worst uh, about ourselves and, and about the world around us. And it seems almost too good to be true that God wants to give us a message of hope and life. We're actually often conditioned to think that God's probably speaking all those bad, negative things about us. It's just not true. And what I want to say to you today, Plant Family, is where in the past you may have heard you were alone and you believed it was from God or, or from the church, what I want to say to you today is that God wants to say to you, I am with you. I am with you. And there are others too who are with you. And so what we're going to do today is I, I want to offer uh, just some practical uh, knowledge and, and some practical uh, things that we can pull out of this passage because there are clearly two messages for us a message of life and a message of death and and what we want to learn today from Elijah's story is what are some of the things that come from a message of life because when we can learn what produces life then we'll know to listen to those voices and we can begin to reject the voices of death this is not an exhaustive list but uh, there are three practical ways that God speaks life to us and, and that life gets produced in us from Elijah's story. And so I want to talk to you about those today. First, God will always provide permission for self-care when he speaks to you. God will always provide permission for self-care when he speaks to you. Notice that God's first response to Elijah is not, Elijah, you are exhausted because you did not pray enough. You are exhausted because you did not read your Bible enough. You did not memorize enough scripture. You skipped the Bible study too many times, Elijah. And because of that, you are now depressed and exhausted. That's not what God says, does he? The first response that God gives through his messenger is, get up, eat, and drink. And then take another nap. Totally human things. Now, don't get me wrong here. Hear me on this. Prayer and scripture are vitally important. We're going to talk about that shortly. And I don't think we realize how important they are. But we also have to recognize we are holistic beings. We are human. 
We're human. And caring for our physical bodies is important if we're going to be able to sustain a life of faithfulness, if we are going to be able to press forward into the way of Jesus instead of going back. We have to take care of ourselves. Charles Finney was a revivalist in the 1800s and and saw the church just on fire throughout uh, the United States. And, And he said this once. He said, revival stops when the church is tired. Multitudes of Christians have so little judgment that they neglect to eat and sleep, running off with excitement. They tax their bodies and their negligence leads to exhaustion and inability to continue in the work. My friends, I really believe that we often miss the voice of God because we have neglected our own humanness. We have neglected our own humanness in an attempt to be super spiritual or overly spiritual. God is deeply practical as much as he is all-powerful. And we cannot miss the value of taking care of ourselves physically in our everyday life. So consider your habits for a moment. Do you eat well? Do you sleep well? Do you exercise? Do you have good conversations with friends who follow Jesus? Honestly, I am reminded of a a time just this last week that uh, I, I talked with a friend on the phone for about an hour. And honestly, we didn't talk about anything particularly spiritual. We talked about how our kids were doing, Uh, We talked about our hopes and our fears and our worries uh, surrounding our our children uh, a little bit. And, And honestly, that was pretty much the whole of the conversation. But I found myself all week after that drawing strength from that because it was just a real human moment where I allowed myself space to pause and process my emotions, to sit and be still and rest in a good conversation. Do you Sabbath? Do you take time to rest? All of these are important habits that help shape our life and make us able to sustain this movement of following Jesus. Lies don't let us create boundaries, but God's truth does. Lies tell us that we are being selfish if we say no to something. Lies tell us that we have to continue to make sure everyone is happy with us. We have to people please. We have to be worried whether God is going to love us or not if we take a little bit of rest. That's what lies do to us. And while lies push us to hurry and to form bad habits, the truth of God provides permission for our self-care. Now, as, as one of your pastors, I have to ha- have a moment of confession. Um, this is a Thursday we're recording this. And Wednesday, yesterday, as I was finishing my message, I'm going to be honest, I worked too much yesterday. I worked too much. I believed a lie that if I didn't get more done, then there was something wrong with me. And I'm just confessing that to you right now because it was a moment where I realized last night at dinner, I was sitting there at the uh, the dinner table with my wife and my daughter and I just said, I have to repent. I worked too much today. I didn't trust God's provision and I tried to force things on my own. And it happens to us all the time. 
all the time. But I began to listen in that moment to God's voice that was telling me, Andrew, I am enough for you. And then like Elijah, eat, drink, take a nap. That's a word from the Lord for some of you today. Take a nap, take a nap. So when God speaks, when the truth of God's voice comes, it doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't keep you from creating boundaries. What it does is it gives you permission for self-care. Number two, second, God provides us with solitude and silence. Elijah, once strengthened with food and proper rest, is able to make a journey to Mount Sinai, a sacred a sacred place. Pastor Rob, several weeks ago, uh, in the beginning of the series, told the story of Moses at Mount Sinai. This is a sacred place where God's prophets met with God. And so Elijah's making the journey here because he needs to get alone and he needs to enter the space that he can draw near to God in silence and solitude. And here is Elijah now waiting for God. Now, a lot of us get confused about silence and solitude, and they look at Elijah in this moment, and they might think, wow, he's really lonely. Now, there's a difference between loneliness and aloneness, okay? Loneliness says, I am not okay if I'm by myself. Aloneness says, I am okay when I am by myself because I am with God. This is probably one of the struggles of our modern world. We, we have so much that's going on in the world around us. We easily get FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? It's the fear of missing out. And everyone believes when they've got FOMO that they have to know about everything. They have to be involved with everything. They can't miss that latest update, that latest news story. There's that big career opportunity that might be right around the corner. So I've got to stay connected. And we're just so terrified of missing out because of what we believe it means about our identity. It takes on this deeper meaning and we begin to believe that we have missed out because we aren't liked or because we're not good enough or because we just don't belong or fit in. And there's probably something wrong with us as a result. We get lies like this all the time, don't we? It causes us to hurry and rush and always be connected to our phones and our email. And we would just hate to find out we missed our moment. But I'd like to suggest to you that your moment is not found in the career opportunity. Your big moment is not found in following up on the latest trend or hashtag. Your moment is found alone with God. God's message says you are not okay being, or excuse me, God's message says you're okay not being in the know. You are okay when you don't know what's going on. That opportunity doesn't define you. You can come away with me. In solitude and silence, we let all of the emotions and the worries of life rise to the surface and we can offer them to God. And we can begin to pay attention in those moments to that still, small voice, the silent whisper of the Holy Spirit 
in our life. You know, uh, that translation of that, that verse there where it says still small voice uh, is, that's how it's often translated in most of our Bibles, but it's actually more accurately translated as the sound of sheer silence. The sound of sheer silence. Can you imagine being confronted with the sound of sheer silence? Silence. I remember uh, once uh, several years ago going hiking with my dad and my brother up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And we were on this ridge about a thousand feet shy of Mount Washington's summit. And there's a, a lodge up there that you can actually book in advance to stay in. And so we're up there. They have like solar electricity and for a certain number of hours in the evening and that's it. And then I remember being outside. It was a beautiful summer night and the lights went out in the lodge and everything was silent. And it was deafeningly quiet. And in that moment, I probably could hear God clearer than I ever thought possible. In the deafening silence, the sound of sheer silence, God speaks to us. It can be a terrifying place for us to be, but it is the place where we hear God speak fresh. Have you ever been somewhere that was so quiet it sounded loud? That's the place of solitude and silence with God. We lead such hurried and busied lives that it can be so easy to miss the quiet voice of God that is in the sound of sheer silence. And lies always tell us that we have to keep busy and do more and we can't miss anything and we have to be involved in everything. But God's message will always lead us away to be alone with him. It is in this time of silence and solitude that our souls are nourished. And we begin to gain the strength to keep following hard after Jesus. Author Ruth Haley Barton talks about silence and solitude this way. In silence, there is the potential for each of us to know that God is God with such certainty that the competing powers of evil, sin, and the ego self can no longer hold us in their grip. All the forces of evil band together to keep us from knowing God in this way because it brings an end to the dominion of those powers in our lives. Do you want to get free from the oppressive voices and messages of death that you are hearing? Do you want to get free from the messages that are keeping you from living free? Do you want to keep you from the lies that are telling you you have to go back? Then get alone with God. Get alone with God and solitude and silence and let his voice shape you and bring you into freedom like you never have before. So when God speaks, he provides permission for self-care. And when he speaks, he leads us into silence and solitude. And finally, when God speaks, he provides us with our purpose. Self-care is healthy and needed and important, but it's not enough. 
for the journey. And our silence and, and solitude with God, it does reset us, but we will just become stagnant again if we are not reinvigorated with purpose. Elijah, he's given a new commission at this moment and a new set of instructions. He wasn't just going to continue to be the guy, the prophet who did everything. He was now going to be a prophet who raised up other prophets. Elisha was going to be called and he was going to be Elijah's disciple and would eventually succeed him. You see, Elijah had been believing that he was the guy. He had to do everything himself and that he was alone in this. And God had to really get his attention at this point as they think he does with us sometimes. And God had to be like, Elijah, this isn't your show. I've got 7,000 others that I've been working through this whole time. It's not about you, God's saying to Elijah. God, God's saying, this is about me on the move. And do you want to be a part of it and get it reinvigorated with purpose? Elijah had to get on board with the program and it was time for him to do that. How many of us now, and you can be honest because believe it or not, I can't see you through the camera lens. How many of you have found yourself during the pandemic uh, getting spiritually stale? Maybe uh, you've lost that fire in your belly. You feel like your passion for following Jesus isn't really what it used to be. If you haven't lost that, then praise God. But I know many of us have. I know for many that it's been a struggle, honestly, to keep moving forward and keep our yes to God at the forefront of our life. It's been so easy to listen to lies, hasn't it? That we don't have purpose, that we're all alone in this. And so that's why I wanna ask you right now if, if you feel like you've gone stale. Do you have purpose? Do you feel like you're seeing God on the move? Do you, see, you feel like you are joining God in his mission or has your perspective shifted and now you are all about self-preservation? Have you gone stale? It could be because you've listened to lies telling you that you're overwhelmed. Lies saying that no one else is doing this. Why should you do it? Lies are so dangerous in this uh, respect because uh, it really becomes our lived reality. And in some ways, uh, like the others, but in some ways more, it becomes our lived reality where we're purposeless. And even though um, they're, they're false and, and they're not true, these, these lies hold such power over us. But if what you believe is dragging you down, if it's shaming you and it's telling you that God isn't at work, it is definitely a lie and it's time to deal with it. You see, the enemy doesn't actually care. Hear me now, this is important. The enemy does not actually care if you do bad stuff. He doesn't even care if you were to like renounce God or not. He cares about making you ineffective and useless. And if he can get you to believe lies that you're in this by yourself and God isn't moving, then he'll make you useless and ineffective and he wins. The messenger of God, however, does not shame you. He doesn't 
overwhelm you. The message of God's voice does not lead you to think that you're not doing enough or that you're all on your own. The messenger from God shows you and gives you eyes to see that God is on the move and God is still working and that you can join him. It gives you purpose, specific purpose, just like God gave Elijah specific next steps to walk in. God will give you specific purpose and specific assignments as you join him in his mission. This really is often the hardest of these three areas to to work out. Notice how many times Elijah repeated over and over, but God, I've done all this work and you haven't shown up. But God, I've done all this and you didn't do your part. He kept saying it to God. He was really stuck in this spiral of believing that he was the only one and God had to slowly continue to speak and continue to speak and dismantle the lies until Elijah could see and hear clearly and be reignited with purpose. Have you lost your purpose? Are you considering going back to where you came from because you've lost your way, because you've lost that passion for Jesus, because you don't know your why anymore? Are you in a place where you don't see God working? Very practically, it's time to get recommissioned for you. It's time to be able to see God's purposes again. You need to get around people that are seeing God work and seeing God move and can tell you stories, real stories of God on the move, miracles and healings and people getting set free from demonic spirits and people coming to faith and people having crazy provision happen all because God is on the move. You need to get around people like that and get your purpose reignited. It's time to get recommissioned. So when God's voice speaks, you have permission for self-care. He leads you into solitude and silence and he gives you purpose. So what thoughts are you listening to? Are your thoughts giving you those kinds of things? Are they giving you self-care and invitations into solitude and silence? Are they giving you permission? Are you finding purpose from the voices that are speaking to you? Or is it bringing you misery and doubt? If your answer is no, I'm not experiencing any of those life-giving things, then you have to recognize what the lies are you're believing. And it's time to dismantle the lies of the enemy, of yourself, and of the world. The Apostle Paul, in uh, his letters to the churches, he, he said, because of what Jesus has done, and I'm paraphrasing this part here, he said, because of what Jesus has done, his life, his death, his resurrection, he now has the power, and he has given us the power and the authority to take every thought captive and make it obedient to him. That means that any thought, there's, there's a lot swirling around in our world right now, my friends. There's a lot swirling around. There are messages and lies about what to believe going on. And most of them are death 
messages. Most of them are messages that are manipulative. Most of them are messages that are going to put chains and bondage on you instead of bringing you life. And Paul's message to the church and my message to us this morning as a church family is take every thought captive. You have not gone forward from giving God your yes. You have not gone forward from your sanctification moments. You have not gone forward ill-equipped to fight the battle and to keep pressing into all that God has for you. You have been given authority by Jesus himself to take every thought captive and make it obedient to him. That means that if that thought does not line up with these things that bring life, then you have permission in Jesus' name to say, get out of here. I am going to believe what God says about who he is and who I am. And you begin to take on the identity of daughters and sons of the living God as you were always meant to. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to go into worship. And as we worship, I want you to just begin to identify the lies. Maybe you've had uh, already identified some of them. Identify the lies. Identify which of these areas that God wants to renew in you practically as you hear the voice of God. And then we're just gonna pray uh, three simple prayers at the end for each of those areas that we've talked about today. And, And you can join in those. So take a minute to recognize those lies and reject those lies as, as we worship together. So I wanna pray three prayers with you. And if uh, you want, you can pray all three of these prayers along with me. Uh, they're related to the, the three uh, practical things we talked about today, self-care, solitude, and silence, and purpose. And we're gonna pray a prayer for each one of just rededicating ourselves and, and recognizing that God is working and moving in those areas through his voice. And so if you want, uh, you can pray any or all of these prayers along with me. So first, we're going to pray a prayer of permission for self-care. Father, thank you that you created me. Thank you that you gave me the gift of humanness to bear your image. I recognize that being human means I not only have a spiritual nature, but a physical nature. I recognize I have not always tended to my physical self as I should. Thank you that you have given me permission to rest. Thank you that you have created good food to nourish me and sleep to restore me. I choose to receive your rest for my body. Amen. Now a prayer of solitude and silence. Holy Spirit, you are here. Whether I am busy or still, you are with me. But Holy Spirit, I recognize that I often avoid your voice by remaining busy. Teach me to quiet myself, to be still and know that you are God, and in turn, know who I am. I choose to be bold no matter what I may encounter in silence and no matter what I may miss in the world. I trust you. Amen. And now I want to pray a prayer with you of recommissioning of purpose. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you that you have invited me into your mission to make disciples. I admit that I have not believed you are working. And as a result, I have often felt alone and purposeless, as if I were the only one doing anything. Today, I receive your truth, that you have always been at work. Even when I have not seen it, I accept that I have been recommissioned to be on mission with you. That I have a purpose again and refuse to go back to where I came from. Amen. So plant family, whether you prayed all of those or one of those, I want to bless you to hear the voice of God fresh, to be able to deal with and reject the lies that you've been believing and be able to receive from God permission for self-care, for solitude and silence, and to be reinvigorated with purpose. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Grace and peace to you, plant family. Have a great day.